Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to December's Movies Podcast. Coming up, we look at the latest Blu-ray disc news, we look at what's at the cinema over the festive period, we look back at the best films and Blu-ray discs of 2008, we also discuss the latest Blu-ray price rises, and to round off, we discuss what's coming up on the AV Forum's Movies Review site, and the reviewers give you their Christmas messages. And joining me for the final movies podcast of the year is Chris McInerney. Hi, Chris. Hello. How are we all? And uh, also, Simon Crust is here. Hi, Simon. Hello. Good evening and welcome. Well, uh, we seem to be having some technical issues, so there's only the three of us for this final uh, podcast of the year, which is a, a little bit sad because I'm sure all of our reviewers will wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year for the upcoming holidays. Uh, but we're going to kick off with the news, and uh, let's go to Chris first. Chris, Blu-ray news, what's coming up? Blu-ray news, well, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff coming our way, as usual. So many things coming out all the time now. But uh, something to look forward to in January. The end of January, of course, is the, the Bourne trilogy making its jump from HD to uh, to Blu-ray. Um, now, we're talking all... This is a, a box set of all the movies, and we have... The, the Bourne Identity has audio commentaries, featurettes, um, alternate openings and endings, deleted and extended scenes... Bourne Supremacy has pretty much the same sort of thing. You have a commentary with director Paul Greengrass, you have deleted scenes, and numerous, numerous featurettes. Um, and of course, the Bourne Ultimatum. Um, you've got a lot of stuff on there, audio commentary again, and all the, the requisite um, featurettes about stunts and you know, Bourne on the move, and all that sort of, sort of caper. Um, you also have a fair bit of HD exclusive content, picture in picture, for um, Bourne Identity, and in fact, all of them, they've all got that. Uh, you've also got um, some games as well. Born Card Battle Strategy Game. Hmm. Well, this is on all three. Now, whether it's uh, an evolving game with, between each movie, I don't know. Or whether it's the same game, just carried across. I don't know. You have Blackbriar Files on new control. Um, yeah. So there's uh, quite a lot of stuff on this. Um, now, I'm a massive fan of the Born movies. And uh, I've got them all on HD, but I shall certainly be getting them all on Blu-ray as well, as I suspect a lot of people will do. Uh, DTS HD lost us Master Audio 5.1 across the board. Lovely stuff. Bonus View Profile 1.1, and you've got BD Live as well. So this is going to be quite a, an extensive package, I would have thought. And I guess um, the comparisons we're drawn here as uh, the new Bond films are also the new Bond films, Chris. Bond came first. Without Bond, you would not have Bond. We all know this. But no, you're quite right. There's no, <laughs> there's no two ways about it. Um, Bond caught onto the, the shared tales of, uh, of the other JB, and uh, it's the same style of camera work, same, same style of hand-to-hand combat, the same gritty, realistic, relentless sort of drive. Um, yeah, I, I think to have evolved and to have you know, made its way in, in cinema today, Bond had to do that. He had to move with the times. Now, it's not simply a case of just copying what the Bourne movies have done. 
the only way you're going to have a spy realistically in movies now, moving from country to country, going at, going, you know, hunting down his adversaries, coming up against nefarious bad guys and, and coming out the other end alive, it's going to have to be brutal, hard and fast. It's 24, it's the, um, the freneticism of MI3, and it's Bourne. Bond, Bourne, you know, the two different characters, though. That's, that's the major thing. Uh, Bourne struggles for identity. He struggles, you know, with a nefarious government that he's turned his back on. They, he realises what they've done. Well, we all we know the, the gist of it all. He's on the run. This is a guy who's a renegade. Bond has moments of being a renegade, but Bond is still playing roughly by his Her Majesty's rules. Her Majesty being Dame Judi Dench, of course. Um, so the differences are still there. Action-wise, yeah, it's going to have to follow some sort of a template. Many would argue that Quantum of Solace went a little bit too far in that direction. I mean, hiring the same stunt coordinator and the same uh, you know, choreographer and um, editor and photographic crew for the action, the second unit action team, well, you know, as the Bourne movies, yeah, that's what you're going to get, really. But, you know, it's a different guy going through the motions. Daniel Craig is at least, if not more, believable in the role than a uh, Matt Damon, because uh, Matt Damon, he's moving from country to country. He never once changes his identity, whereas, Born, sorry, whereas Bond, you know, he's sanctioned, he can go anywhere. He's definitely more believable flitting you know, globally around the place and going through the motions. So, I don't know. I love them both. I'll leave you know, the punters to argue the pros and cons as to which one comes out on top. In a fight, in a fight... Bond every time. Come on. He'll get up with a severe limp and it'll be a permanent limp, but he's the one who's going to get up and walk away. Yeah. Bond will be mashed into the deck. God, I, I w- swear to God. I wish I lived in your world, Chris. I really do. Simon, <laughs> do you think... Um... I, wish I, could, I wish I could stay in my world. <laughs> I have so, to step out of the reality. Simon, do you think uh, this brings up the, the whole double-dipping thing um, for those who invested in HD DVD to, to now buy these films yet again on Blu-ray? Sorry, I was just having moments of uh, Harry Hill there. Bond yeah, ball. That's, that's, Fight. What I was Fight. that's the one you want to see, isn't it? Come on, that'd be great. Oh, hell, can we get back to the podcast, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there, there is elements of double dipping, but um, I mean, HD is sort of fallen by the wayside now. And uh, the, there's so much on these new Blu-rays, uh, so much more than there were on the HDs. I think um, it's, it's, it's the way forward now. There just there just is. I mean, if you you look at the list, I mean, Chris um, spoke only a fraction of what are on these discs, and it's um, there's way more than them than you could even fit on the HD discs, I think. So uh, an element, yes, but you know, it's the way of the world now, isn't it? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but uh, I already have them on HD, and I, I get them to watch the films. I'm not really an extras person, unless it's a quality. Uh, documentary or whatever so um i think i'm going to say to my hd dvds on that one we'll move on uh simon what else is in the news blu-ray wise well i'm um looking at a disney release here um um on hot on the hills of uh of sleeping beauty which um come on blu-ray this year um, and spectacular image really really well really well done um they're bringing out pinocchio um, um middle of march 10th of march um, next year 
1940 version, 88 minutes. This is going to be um, another spectacular release from Disney, uh, I think. Um, if they go even half as good as they did with the with the Sleeping Beauty, then we're in, in for a, a really good ride. Not, hu- not a huge amount of detail um, about the release yet, uh, very early days, although I have seen um, they're starting to advertise it on um, releases now. I think it's um, an ad from you get Prince Caspian. I think there's an ad for it, um, and it looks it looks pretty good. Yeah, it's on Wall-E as well. Um, you're going to have an image which is absolutely full of lustrous colour. You're going to have a lot of the de- going by Sleeping Beauty. You're going to have incredibly sharp detail on it as well. It will be seen like seeing a film, you know, for the first ever time. Um, I'm not a major fan of Pinocchio. I've got to say, oh dear, shouldn't have said that, but it's true. Um, but having said that, and having got a couple of little kids. I will almost certainly be picking it up. Um, but as I say, I wouldn't worry about 1.66. It's going to look tremendous no, no matter you know what aspect they put it into. I presume that is its original aspect ratio? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, well, we can't possibly argue about that then, can we? Um, Sleeping Beauty was modified, though, as, as we know. Um, but it still looked absolutely phenomenal, did it not? Yeah, it did. Um, it, we always want to see it in the director's... Um, chosen aspect ratio. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Although we will get some on the forums who are, won't be happy. But yeah, mm, they're, they're, no, they're never happy, happy, are they? They're never happy. Well, let's move on, Chris. Any more news for us? Oh yeah, well, there's plenty of things coming out. Um, another double tip. Another one that's making the change from HD to uh, to Blu-ray is King Kong. Peter Jackson's um, overly ambitious. A fantastically overwrought love fest for one of his favourite movies of all time. The, the film and the entire phenomenon that got him, him making movies in the first place. It's overlong, it's overindulgent, it's also extremely cool, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> On Blu-ray, you're actually going to have the, the, the choice of the, um, the original theatrical cut, which you know, was troubled because there were huge elements there which were missed out. One entire section, the raft sequence, which I, I noticed immediately there was something missing there, and it's great to have it back. So the Blu-ray disc will have the theatrical cut and it will have the, ex- the super extended version as well, which is says unrated as well. Um, now, disc features, well, according to what I have here, I can't see anything at all. There will be, but they're just not, um, you know, released as yet. Uh, DTS HD lost us again, 5.1, um, by the looks of things. But it's, uh, it comes out on January 20th. Now, this is the American release, uh, list price of $29.98. Uh, I've already earmarked this one for review, folks. I've reviewed it in the past and been slavishly OTT about it. But I love the film. Um, I love the original story. I, I wish they'd get around to releasing the... Uh, the 1933 original. I, I wish that would suddenly make its appearance. And I think it probably will do before long because we had that marvellous um, anniversary edition in the tin yeah. a short while ago. And my God, that was a, a beautiful print on that compared to what's been out previously. So all systems go on the uh, the great big Simeon front. It's one of those films where they could cut 30 minutes out and it would still be good. But um, I guess as, as a fan, Chris, you're going to go with the extended version, aren't you? I love the extended version, yeah. There's a lot more to it as well. There's a lot more than just the raft sequence. It, it just makes more sense. Ha- having said that, there's still one ludicrous, um, you know, excision. What happens to the natives? You know, it's just, you know they never, never really resolve that one, do they? But then again, we've got to get to New York. We've got to lay waste to another metropolis. 
and uh, you know we've got to get to the big table finale. You mentioned the 1933 version, there, and yeah, the DVD was absolutely pristine, wasn't it? So yeah, uh, let's fingers crossed that that will make its way across. But would you still want the 1970s version with the twin towers? Good God, yeah. Did you not read my my review of that as well? I <sighs> love that film. That's the one that I grew up with. I mean, one of my first memories is watching the original um, Willis O'Brien version, sitting on my mum's knee, and yes, it blew me away. I was, you know, totally taken to another another realm of fantasy. Fantastic stuff. But when I saw the 70s one, I was a little bit older, and emotion crept into this. It's got nothing to do with seeing Jessica Lang with her top pulled down by a big leathery finger, but... <laughs> Well, it has a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps a little bit. By formative years. But uh, even though the Rick Baker's suit was, monkey suit was complete and utter cack, I mean, you, you can quite clearly see the zips and the tucks and the fact that he walks like a normal person inside the suit. But it doesn't matter. Once he gets on top of the World Trade Center, um, you know, I, I can't talk too much about it because I'll get emotional now just, just, you know, reminiscing. But it's it's... Savage, he gets blown to oblivion, doesn't he? I think it's. I think the one glimmer of hope is. I think it's quite funny where he crashes to the um, the roof of the World Trade Center, and Jessica Langs in the in the, the match shot walks up to him as if you know she wants to just like soothe his bloodied fair. But as she walks up, he rolls over and tumbles off the edge. A very very bad match shot, almost as bad as um, Snake Plissken's glider falling off the the World Trade Center as well. Could they just not do good effects with the World Trade Center? As she walks up, she puts her hands towards him, and it looks as though she's pushed him off the edge. <laughs> that's the, that's the one the one glimmer of you know that brings a smile to me to, to me face when I'm otherwise bawling like a baby. It's a travesty of a film, but it's got John Barry's epic, fantastic score. Uh, now that came out on HD. I reviewed that a while ago, but that, I think that was um, a French disc. Yeah. So you know, hopefully that's going to also surface on Blu-ray before long, and I would look forward to. You know, <laughs> dipping yet again. <laughs> yes, uh, it seems to be the trend coming up uh, to the end of the year. With I guess it's Universal and Paramount are now uh, releasing all the all the back catalogue stuff again. So we're going to get this for the next six to twelve months anyway, aren't we, guys? So, oh yeah. Um, talking about the French uh, French Connection, there, uh, Simon. <laughs> Yep, that's right. Um, both the uh, French Connection and the French Connection 2 um, are coming out uh, next year. The French Connection is coming out on the 13th of January, and the uh, the second film is coming out on the 24th, so a month, a month apart. Um, great films, of course. Um, Popeye, Popeye Doyle getting um, smacked up, running through the streets. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. Can't, um, can't beat it. Um, Oscar-winning films, really, really looking forward to them. Yeah, I second that. Um, action genre, um, definitive moments for the seventies. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen either of them for a long, long time either. So this would be the uh, the perfect opportunity to revisit. And I, I guess I've got to be honest here and say um, I haven't seen them. Oh, oh. Well, I bet you've seen the chase, haven't you? You have seen the yeah. car chase. It's, it's, it's yeah, you know I it's have. been yeah. referenced you know numerous times in movies since then. And it's, you know, it's a perennial favourite. Top ten car chases. It's always going to be in there. So I, I guess now's the best time to try and dip my toes in the water with, with these films. So they both come to Blu-ray. When is that, Simon? Uh, the first one is 13th of January. The second one is the 24th of February. And uh, I, I guess we need to kind of wrap up the news now, guys. So uh, any last news stories from you? 
Mel Gibson, the mighty Mel Gibson and the Passion of the Christ definitive edition makes its way to Blu-ray um, on February the 17th next year. Priced at a whopping thirty nine ninety eight. Uh, we have audio commentary from Mel Gibson and his cinematographer and his editor. A production commentary as well. Uh, we also have a theological commentary by Mr. Gibson and Father William J. Fulco and a couple of other you know, uh, theologians. Um, select scene audio commentary. It's a, it's a commentary heavy disc, this, isn't it? Uh, select scenes audio commentary by composer John Debney. Um, a featurette called The Passion Recut. And yeah, footnotes. Now, it's again, it's got DTSHD Master Audio 5.1. Uh, now, I don't know about you guys, but I am I'm not religious in, in, in any way, shape, or form. I, I use the Lord's name a lot, but not for the right purposes, perhaps. Yeah, same here. But I saw this film, and I, I, I do admire Mel Gibson. I've, I've, loved, I've loved most of his movies. He was one of my heroes when I was a kid. Mad Max, you know, Martin Riggs. And... Uh, I must admit, I, I don't think I could ever watch this film again. Please, oh please, don't give me this to review because this was just a glorified video nasty. Now, now, don't jump on me because I love gore perhaps more than anybody else, but I cannot ever derive entertainment from seeing someone, no matter who they are historically, no matter how true it may be, well, you know, that's up for question, obviously, but um, someone being systematically brutalised, beaten, tortured... Um, whipped to the point where their eyeball pops out, you know, it's that's not fun. Now, I understand the message behind it. I understand why he why he made the film, and you know, there's a lot of controversy as to should it have been made. Um, is it required viewing? Should it be shown in schools as part of uh, religious education? And you know, I don't have a problem with that. Like same as like Schindler's List, that should be shown in schools. Again, it's another film that I'm not going to watch again. I don't need to see that. Um, I sound like a, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to diss the movie to, you know, potential punters, but it, it just isn't for me. It's um, very well made, uh, very powerful stuff. There's no two ways about it. And you know, if you want a film that's going to rock your soul, <laughs> well, this is this is certainly the one. Just that you won't you won't see me writing about it though. I'm afraid. I, th- I think um, one of the points that you made there, Chris, is that it's well made, and I think. Mel Gibson doesn't really get his due that mu- that often as being a good filmmaker, but he has proven in the past that he does have a good eye and and he does have a good sense of telling stories, doesn't he? Oh, he, that adults. I mean, the, the major epic, of course, Braveheart. Uh, again, there's a bit of a backlash against Braveheart. I mean, there always was, and Phil, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain you've got <laughs> things to say about that being a Scot, but. Um, I loved it. I thought it was very accomplished filmmaking. It was uh, thoroughly deserving of its Oscar status. Powerful, moving, exciting, brilliantly told on an epic canvas. Uh, you know, there's not many actors who can move behind the camera and sort of m- manage the logistics of something that large and then step in front of the camera as well and, and be the leading man. It's The guy has... Uh, a very, very singular sort of vision. Very, you know, blinkered. He knows what he wants, and he, he goes out and does it. You've got to admire that in today's world of, of studios, which still stick their oar in and, you know, change people's scripts and, uh, you know, test screenings that, that go awry and films don't see the light of day because of it. Gibson, for rightly or wrongly, 
you know, he's got the courage of his convictions and he goes out there and he makes the movies he wants to make. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess we can't take it away. Being a Scotsman, I I will admit that I actually enjoyed Braveheart quite a bit, but um, it just shows you the depth that, that um, Gibson has gone into as well, doesn't it? And I'm going to quote Frank, Frank um, Frankie Boyle here. Um, tw- Twenty years later, he's he's finally made it as a Scotsman because he's now a drunk and uh, and a racist. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll give him that. <laughs> Frankie Boyle. We want to see the Frankie Boyle movie, don't we? Well, he's got a DVD out, which uh, I'm hoping Santa's going to bring me this year because that guy is just absolutely hilarious. But we're going off on a tangent here. Okay, well. I think we've just about covered all of the uh, the Blu-ray news and uh, we're going to move on quickly to what's coming up in the cinema after this. For up-to-the-minute AV discussion and hardware reviews, visit avforums.com. The biggest news and the best, best, best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV Podcast. Okay, so uh, now it's time to look at what's coming up at the cinemas and... Um, not a lot of interesting things coming up by the looks of it. Um, just going through the quick release schedules here, guys. Um, there's a, certainly not any Christmas films coming out this year, which is a bit strange, isn't it? A little bit strange, yeah, but also probably a good thing because they don't tend to be much cop at all, usually cash-ins. And then if you happen to like the film, it, it won't see the light of day on Blu-ray until the following Christmas, will it? So, you know, I, I'm not particularly um, worried about that at the moment. Yeah, I think the last... Uh, half decent Christmas film has to be Scrooged. That was the last decent. Oh, God. That was an exceptionally long time ago, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to what is coming up. And uh, I guess the biggest one on the list here is a Boxing Day epic um, from the director of Moulin Rouge and uh, uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. Australia, tell us about it, Chris. Yeah, Baz Luhrmann, um, another epic. This time, I don't, I don't think it's a musical, as you know, we we had with Moulin Rouge. But yeah, we've got two of the the, the Antipodes' greatest exports, which of course is Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. Um, she's an English aristocrat forced to drive two thousand cattle across Australia, accompanied by ranch hand Hugh Jackman. And of course, during her epic journey, she finds true love, and her life is transformed forever. All together now. Oh. Now, yeah, I mean, with a massively grandiose title like Australia, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's epic, isn't it? It's big, big stuff. You're going to have fantastic cinematography. I've got no doubt about it. I've seen a few clips from it, and it does look really amazing. Uh, Hugh Jackman, it's going to be, a, well, I was going to say a hell of a year for him, but this is coming out just before the end of the year because he's got Wolverine waiting in the wings, hasn't he? The offshoot Wolverine which I really, truly can't wait for, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Um, yeah, Australia. Am I looking forward to it? Um, don't know, really. I'm certainly going to watch it, but I haven't got particularly high hopes of it. I'm pretty certain there's going to be a little bit of rough and tumble, a little bit of action there, and plenty of steamy, you know, romance in the outback. It's, so, on, it's on the yeah. 12, eh? Yeah, well, it, well, I don't know. It, it can still go a little bit further than it never did do in the past. <laughs> So I think you you probably see more of him than her, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I haven't got a problem with that. I think I'll um, I think I'll probably enjoy that movie. The thing that always worries me about um, these films is when 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 the cow lines like it's going to help the tourist industry. 
you just know that the film's not going to be that great. Might have great cinematography, but well, yeah, exactly. I mean, look look at the place they're going to. I mean, it's going to be dusty, horrifically, um, you know, inhospitable, um, exceptionally hot. No one's going to flock to the outback, are they? No one's going to have the sudden urge to drive two thousand head of cattle across, you know, the, the dusty expanses. But um, it's typical old-fashioned romantic adventure, isn't it? And Baz Luhrmann is a, is a good director. I, I've, I've liked his films in the past. Uh, I think again he, he has a, a particularly you know, singular vision, and you know he coaxes good performances. I mean, I, I hate musicals, but Ewan McGregor singing in Moulin Rouge, and I was I was moved by it for God's sake. That should never happen in this or any lifetime. But you know, so again, it's not my it's not my major genre. You know, epic, overblown, romantic drama. But you know, I, I'm pretty certain. I'll find a fair bit in that to enjoy. I, I always like Hugh Jackman's performances, and I fancy the um, the butt off Nicole Kidman. In fact, she's getting better <laughs> the older she gets. Pure, fantastic milf. I'll, I'll, and, uh, I'll tell you oh. what, she was... Uh, oh, Chris, what was the film that was on? It was on Late Night the other night. Uh, oh, don't ruin it for me now. Uh, BMX. BM, it was BMX, oh, Bandits. BMX Bandits. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, ah, well, she really you know. was ginger then. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Listen, okay. I've made the career out of being ginger. Okay, let's <laughs> let's move on swiftly before we get into another debate over ginger people. And um, so, uh, before we get into any more trouble, uh, I'm going to move over to the yes man, Simon. Yes man, um, new comedy coming from um, Jim Carrey. Um, now, there's love or hate this guy, isn't there? He's uh, Works with his body a lot, shall we say. Um, very frantic, <laughs> jumping all over the place. Um, I can only name two or three films that I actually really enjoy of him because he can be a bit too in your face. I really enjoyed The Mask. That's when I think most people got to know him. Um, and he, he acted really well in that. And he was really, when he was in his mask persona, you could see, yeah, that, that works well. Um, and I also like the Truman story when he wasn't acting like. The, the frantic person who was being very, very serious. And now we've got, in between the two, we've got the films like Liar Liar, which he's playing a serious part, but he's being all the um, jumping up and down and all the faces and all the voices that he does. Now, Yes Man is a very, very similar film to that. Um, the, the story is uh, he's an eternal pessimist and he goes to uh, a, a church and he gets blessed and he can only say yes. He says yes to everything, and uh, apparently saying yes to everything can bring you eternal happiness. Um, don't believe me, believe him, because I've seen interviews with him on the television saying, what if you go and see this film and people come out saying yes, and you do start to win things, and you do start to do this, and you do start to do that. Can't see it myself. Um, liar Liar was okay, a little bit smorchy towards the end, trying to save his kids. Um, could Yes Man be better? He says yes to an internet bride. Could that work? Hmm, we'll have to wait and see, won't <laughs> yes. we? Yes. <laughs> I quite like Jim Carrey, but I like him in the, you mentioned the more serious roles. That's where I like him. I always, I don't know what it is about um, comics, comedians. When they start doing a bit of serious stuff and it becomes a bit tragic, um, they're, they're all the more moving because of it. Obviously, it depends how, how good they manage to, uh, to pull it off. But people like Robin Williams, um, Steve Martin as well, 
you know, there's moments when in, in various films they've done, particularly Robin Williams, he's done plenty of uh, of tragedy and serious stuff. Uh, and you know, again, Jim Carrey, there's moments there, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind. Uh, you know, it does the Truman the Truman story. It does get to you, and I, I'm prepared to give that a go as well. Again, it's one of these that I'm I'm not going to go to flicks to see this though. You know, I'm not going to say yes to an invite to that. I'm afraid. But, you know, on disc, if you want to, one I would check out. I've seen the adverts for it. I didn't know a great deal about it until, you know, you piped up about it there, Simon. But um, the adverts, it, it can go either way from what mm. I've seen. It, it could be anarchic, silly, stupid stuff. Or, and, and it could have that little bit of poignancy as well, which I'm quite prepared to give it the, uh, the you know, benefit of the doubt. But again, it'd be on disc, not the flicks. Kenny's not the only one coming back um, in a film role this Boxing Day because uh, Adam Sandler also coming back to the big screen in Bedtime Stories, Chris. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Now, I don't like Adam Sandler at all. But again, you know, there's moments when he's had you know, a little bit of seriousness. And, you know, it, can, it can still work, can still get to you. Bedtime Stories, it's a PG. It's, uh, well, what do we know about it? He plays a guy called Skeeter Bronson who starts to tell his niece and nephew bedtime stories. Little does he realise that they will start to come true and hilarious family fun will ensue. So, again, I think I've seen a trailer for this as well and there's all sorts of things going on in it. Uh, and it, it could be wildly episodic and anarchic fun. So, if you're an Adam Sandler fan and there's plenty of you out there... Uh, that's probably going to be, you know, a great night out. It's, a great little bedtime story for you. It sounds a little bit like Jumanji for the noughties, really. Yeah, yeah. It probably has got that kind of um, feel to it. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It, that's the kind of fertile ground that you can use forevermore. You know, there's so many fantastic... Again, Princess Bride is the same sort of thing, but, you know, in, in a different sort of slant. So... Yeah, it, it could go on and on and on. And there's another one, isn't there? Um, which I don't know a great deal about this one, but the uh, the cinema trailer guy, Inkheart, he says. Inkheart. It's not quite Braveheart, is it? And adorning the poster and adorning all the um, the trailers for it, which looks like a really fantastical kind of strange thing. Um, Maggie's world is enlivened by the characters from books that her father has the ability to bring to life. But has the latest book proved too dangerous to read? This comes out on the 23rd of January, by, by the looks of things. And um, it's got everyone's favourite centre-parted goofball, uh, Brendan Fraser. Now, this is what's probably going to you know, sink it for me, because I've gone right well and truly off the boil on that guy. Um, I liked him in, in a lot of his early movies, and I liked him when he, you know, all of a sudden he became an, a, a goofball action hero with The Mummy. I liked him in The Mummy Returns, but I truly despised him. Now, whether it's just him or it's the movie as a whole, Mummy 3 was just the pits. It had just gone too far. The joke wasn't funny anymore. And him with that ridiculous floppy hair and lack of you know facial expressions and well, the big googly eyes and the fact that he had to shout every single damn line. Well, you know, I'm afraid that I'm finding that off-putting to a story which... This, this this sounds like it's, it's based on like a children's book. It must have been, but um, to be honest, I've never heard of it, <laughs> so I can't really comment. But that's in cart. That's uh, that's going to be a children's fantasy fest for the start of the new year. 
Okay, thanks, Chris. And that wraps up the cinema news. Not a great deal out there. Um, but if anything takes your fancy, then Australia hits on Boxing Day, bedtime stories on Boxing Day, and Yes Man on Boxing Day, with the final one that Chris was talking about coming out in January. So we're going to move on and we're going to look back at 2008 next. Contact the AV Forums podcast. Email podcast at avforums.com. Channel check. Left channel, right channel. Europe's number one audio visual resource. This is the avforums.com. Okay, so uh, we'll move on swiftly. We're going to talk about the best films of 2008, whether it was at the cinema or on Blu-ray disc or even DVD. And uh, the guys have got their favourites together. And we've got a latecomer. He's on the phone. You haven't seen him for months. Kaz Harlow, where have you been? <laughs> in, in the bath. In the bath. <laughs> I have been deep undercover for the last few months, and I've finally come out of half hiding to uh, recover my throne on the DVD website. Well, Cass, I'm proud that you finally come it. out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good news that you finally come out of there, Cass. That's, that's, yeah, that's I've finally come out of the closet, finally, yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to uh, hear your voice again, Cass, even though you're on the phone, because you, it seems everything in your life's broken at the moment, is that right? Yeah, that is totally correct. Skype blatantly doesn't love me anymore, and um, yeah, I'm forced to talk to the phone. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about the best of 2008, and uh, I guess Kaz's seen uh, his time is short, because I understand he got, <laughs> got the bath right. <laughs> Damn, that bath's getting cold. <laughs> <coughs> so I guess we'll, uh, we'll kick off with Kaz. Um, tell us, what were the best films for you in 2008, and why? Well, I think one of the biggest ones that's definitely stand out is uh, The Dark Knight. I mean, both at cinema and obviously coming around out on Blu-ray. Um, absolutely tremendous rocking sequel. First movie was great, establishing movie. Um, but now coming back full throttle with a, a sequel that's arguably better than the first one, real masterpiece. I think that's, that's got to be one of the top movies of the year for me. Yeah, and uh, Chris, you upset quite a few people with that as well on the forums. Uh, saying, oh, yes, saying that, that it was... dreaded word, masterpiece. Yes, how dare you use that with a, a modern film? But um, it is. It's Without a doubt, it blew me away at the flicks. It's a very cleverly constructed, brilliantly written, fabulously uh, conceived sequel. It, it just enlarges completely upon um, the character that he set up in the first movie, um, the situation... The plot, everything has evolved, and it also has a great look at who we are, how we establish heroes in our society, how we also inevitably shoot them down, and uh, you know it has a look at you know crime and how it runs rings around us and how we're powerless no matter what we do to circumvent it. Um, a great, great classic movie, full of tremendous set pieces, full of uh, you know. Fire and Thunder, uh, and a, a marvellous, marvellous uh, supporting performance by Heath Ledger, the late Heath Ledger, as the Joker. But suffice to say, that for me was the film of the year, followed quite closely by Wally, and in a different genre, uh, The Orphanage, uh, which I think was a, an absolutely outstanding, powerfully 
moving horror story uh, from Spain, which came out early on this year, and I had the pleasure of reviewing that from the cinema and on Blu-ray, and it was an absolute corker. It's one, it's one that's actually so damn good, I'm almost afraid of watching it again, <laughs> because it was so moving. Um, but yeah, they would be my, my top three of the year, uh, movie-wise. And I guess um, I, I'm going to agree with you on, on at least the two-year accounts there, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, Wally, uh, really shown where, where animation can go, and... Also, a film with with no dialogue for for a good three quarters of the the entire uh, movie, so it, it puts a, a lot of emphasis onto the actual storytelling um, yeah. element of the film, and that obviously has to work, otherwise the film flops. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable how they managed to incorporate such emotion into inanimate objects. They're just a bunch of pixels. They're not even like human faces. There's no mouths and you know what have you. It's just an Apple Mac screen for Eve, and you've got a completely uh, ridiculous pair of googly-eyed, you know, baked bean tin visage for Wally. And yet, is it a combination of the music and the way the actual plot is going? But you are carried along on a, on a, a quite a euphoric um, surge of emotion throughout the entire film. Love the early sequences. It's, it's, it's something I said about I Am Legend as well. And you know, the two films are very similar in, in one certain key respect. You know, you have the last creature on Earth, which in Wally's case is a little scuttlebot robot, which is you know, shoveling about all the dirt of you know, the ridiculous humanity that once thrived there and almost destroyed the planet. And I Am Legend, again, you have one guy and his dog prowling through the deserted Manhattan. And arguably the best scenes are those weirdly atmospheric moments near the start where you just have such a solitary um, character going about his his business of survival in you know Robert Neville I am Legend's case and Wally's duty basically then of course he meets Eve and it's it's a wonderful little bizarre quirky love story once it all goes into space uh, I mean I'm, obviously we we know this film pretty well I've already covered it quite a lot on the site anyway um, but it was a massive massive movie so I'm presuming a lot of people did get to see it. Uh, it opens up and we see humankind in their fat, bloated condition now. And you have the rather more conventional Pixar run around, completely wacky way out adventure yarn, all done with, you know, its tongue firmly in its cheek and lots of, you know, crazy madcap adventures and escapades uh, and a race against time. And it's tremendously good fun. It's funny how all the individual elements actually work and you're still, you know, incredibly moved and touched by the whole thing. That's that's tremendous. Andrew Stanton, of course, the director of this one, did Finding Nemo. And again, he found a lot of emotion there. It, these are films that aren't just, you know, eye candy splashed liberally across the screen. They are good stories. The, the, the old Disney ethic is still there of having a bit of a moral, having sort of family values in a way. Certainly Finding Nemo had family values. Wally, slightly different kettle of fish. It's a global story. And, you know, you've got to admire the audacity of someone who's going to come out with that kind of narrative. You know, what's mankind done to the planet? Again, you know, it's not hitting you over the head with it. Well, I suppose adults might might see that. It's kind of, you know, the, the eco-warrior style of it is kind of blatant. But kids don't see that. Kids just see fat people messing about in space. And they see robots having fun and falling in love. And they see massive star vistas. And it's just great, great eye candy. So, you know, 
that was a, a major, major event for me during the year at the Flicks. That's what's a dark night. So, so Chris, um, one of the things I picked up from the, the Blu-ray disc was the extras. Um, not that I watch them very often, but if, if there is quality documentaries on there, I will watch them. And what really amazed me was the fact that the animators went to so much trouble um, in getting proper cameras and and um, playing about with depth of field and playing about with the lenses and then trying to capture that um, within the animation, which, which just gave it that... It's a real feel, didn't it? Yeah, Stanton has said that he wanted to try and emulate the uh, the old sci-fi films that he grew up with, and the film does have a very sort of filmic sheen to it, doesn't it? And um, the depth of field, as you say, is is phenomenal. It's not what you expect. Pixar again have moved leaps and bounds ahead with with each project they do. They seem to you know explore their own uh, medium of animation even more. You had the uh, all of a sudden we could do fair with you know Monsters Inc. Then you had the fantastically lush uh, jungle canopy um, and fabulous human caricatures of the Incredibles. Cars, uh, bizarrely enough, went even more photorealistic. Okay, you had talking cars, but look at those landscapes. There was depth of field there, tremendous, but it was very polished, very gleaming, despite the dusty um, environment they were in for a lot of the time. It was a very sort of spangly, in-your-face sort of movie. Ratatouille, very warm. I mean, you got the impression of, of heat from the kitchens. You know, you literally, it, it was a warm and fuzzy. It was still a beautiful image, but it wasn't the clinically sharp look and aesthetic feel of, say, cars. And then, of course, Wall-E. Again, there's a variety of different um, styles that they use there. Certainly on Earth, when it's covered in dust, beautifully atmospheric. Bizarre, you say the word beautiful, when it's about, you know, mile-high skyscrapers full of rubbish, teeming, you know, skylines full of dirt and dust and the, the debris of a collapsed civilization. And then you go into space, gleaming, pristine, gorgeous imagery. The space shots themselves, again, look at the depth of field in there. Look at the the, uh, the ballet, the, the love scene between Wally and Eve when he's using his fire extinguisher to propel himself around space. And it's it's a... It's a love ballet, isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. But the star field behind them, the nebula and stuff, it's purely dream candy stuff, isn't it? It's just amazing. So, you know, makes you wonder where are they are going to go to next? What's the next step? I hope they don't try to have completely photorealistic people. I don't think they're ever going to do that. And, of course, another thing, just while I think on, Wally actually incorporated real live footage of people, you know, which I think at first I, can't, I found that kind of jarring. Especially when you see what they evolve into. All of a sudden you have actual live people there. That's how they are. That's how people look. And then, then you see, like, obviously cartoony type renditions of them later on. But looking back on it again and watching it again and again, and I've seen it a few times now, it, you know, it, it does gel a lot better than I first thought. So it, it is a, a technical um, achievement and a wonderful story. Absolutely. Um, can't... Um... I can't really add to that. If you've picked up on everything, it's a, it's a terrific, a very very adult um, story. I felt. I mean, the, the kid element with the of the little robots falling in love and, and smashing the place up when they're chasing around the uh, the, the starship there, um, which is what they see. But really, much more adult than um, than anything that's come before it. Um, even even the uh, the Incredibles, which was essentially you know a, a family film in that it was dealt with adult values. Um, this even more so 
does that make it the best of the bunch? I still think Incredibles tops it, but it's uh, it's certainly an incredible, an incredible film. And on on Blu-ray, it's it's spectacular. You know, quite clearly reference um, picture and sound. It's it's stunning, a stunning presentation. Really, really good. I think for me, just the the whole new spin on on a classic uh, love story. Just it it sounds soppy, but I, I think they just captured it just right. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't too sentimental. It wasn't too mushy. It, it, it just had that right feel about it, didn't it, guys? Oh yeah, in it, oodles of it, mate. It was just fantastic. Very atmospheric movie, and uh, I think I hinted that in the in the review that I wrote. And I'm not going to say too much now, but there is one moment where I really thought Pixar were going to do the absolute unthinkable. It's towards yeah. the end of the film, folks. I think yeah. you know where I'm where I'm coming from. Absolutely. I genuinely thought, oh my god. Arguably, it might have been even better if they had, but I'm only saying that because that would be revolutionary if they had, um, but it would have wrecked a lot of childhoods. <laughs> it would have yeah, destroyed a lot of well views, wouldn't it? Um, so they were right. They were probably right to go the way that they did, but it's clever that they, they managed to find, again, inanimate objects, and yet you, it got you. Yeah. It got you. And I guess moving on from Wall-E, the, the other big standout animation of the year um, on disc was the well, there were two actually. There was Ratatouille at the beginning of the year, um, which I think is it, it uses that depth of field again, Chris, doesn't it? With the oh, yeah. uh, using the lens, the camera lens to move between uh, the characters subtly on on screen and, and give it that full depth of field. But there was also. Uh, from the comedy line and, and something which we thought was going to be absolutely naff and, and in my opinion I thought it was an absolutely brilliant film is Kung Fu Panda Kung Fu Panda, um, Kung Fu Panda yeah. so, so we've we've really have had a good year for, for animation haven't we oh yeah yeah. it's pushed the boundaries they've, they've actually thought about stories as well I mean you've got the pop culture referencing up to the hilt with Kung Fu Panda but you've also got a tremendously good story as well and some blinding action scenes which I truly did not expect of tension and suspense and great animation, a great disc as well, a great Blu-ray disc. Absolutely. Um, very, very funny film. Very funny. You know, mm. but with, with serious morals going on as well. Um, terrific. And, you know, we're all saying how good uh, picture and sound are on, on Wally. I mean, I've got to be honest, even though the, you've got a mark on both at reference level, I think that uh, Kung Fu Panda was better. The, the 3D well, imaging you've got from the picture... And the sound yeah, it's, quality it's, is just phenomenal. I mean, th- they are different in picture-wise. They're different because different it's, style, it's yeah. different style. It's very photorealistic in, in Wally, whereas it's very, very cartoony style. But as for, for pure visual eye candy, something to look at and go, oh yeah, put it, put yeah. it in front of your mates and say, look at that. Given, I mean, given the choice, just, you've got two screens. You've got Wally playing on one. You've got Kung Fu Panda playing on the other. This is a daft test, but you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sticking with it. Your eyes are going to go straight to Kung Fu Panda every time, yeah. and they're not going to want to move away from that. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I guess that the promising thing here is that um, Kung Fu Panda came from DreamWorks, so uh, we've, mm. we've got another studio on the block now who, who are, are churning out high-quality animation with a good storyline for the kids and for the adults as well. Yeah, yeah, this is true. They are behind something which we may talk about later if we've got time, is uh, the Monsters vs. Aliens, which mm. I think looks phenomenal. Yep, it's, I it's, don't know too much about it. <laughs> it is looking good. I've seen the trailers for that one. So um, mm. uh, let's let's just take it back. Kung Fu Panda, um, another excellent film there. Ratatouille, we touched on it 
on it a little bit. Um, again, seem to be going for that cinematic um, two three five image there, Chris, which um, sort of brought the whole world in, into your view. Yeah, yeah. The, the make the animation is now be, it's not being frowned upon. It's not looked down upon. It is a fantastic movie um, making medium in its own right. You've gone beyond the Disney years. You, you, you've gone beyond the early Pixar days. You're now getting, you know, fanta- as you say, depth of field is truly awesome. Even in the, you know, interior shots, you've, you've got amazing three-dimensionality. You've got amazing cinematic compositions, close-ups, for extreme shots, the action shots outside, the tracking shots. It, it, it isn't just a cartoon. They're using every cinematic trick in the book to tell their story, and they're doing so without it looking like, well, look what they've done there. That's just eye candy. That oh yeah, that looks good. It's all style but no substance. They're telling the story using these tools correctly. Pixar ahead of the bunch by a long, long way when it comes to this. And as as we've said before, that they're, they're getting better with each movie that they make as well. Uh, for the record, I still prefer The Incredibles, like Simon said before. Um, that's that's just a subject matter. Um, Look at looking at the Incredibles now, and as jaw dropping as it was when it first came out, it, it, no, let's let's not kid around. It still is, but um, if you look what's followed on from it, Cars, Ratatouille, again different styles, but again the cinematic influence is truly truly propelling it now. And Wally, well, as I say, you've got you've got the Earthbound sequences, then you go into space, and you've got the deep space shots, and you've got the shots aboard the uh, the teeming, crowded spacecraft. Those multi-lanes of people travelling on these little flow, char- flow chairs. It's wonderful stuff. It's dizzying to look at, and that's the way it should be. You know, it's, it's, it's realistic, as much as that kind of thing could possibly be. I'm saying that now, and then the next thing they come out with will be even more realistic again. So, you know, they are just going from strength to strength. Talking about the the Wally disc as well, you were talking about some extras earlier. The 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 extra that that goes into how Pixar come about on the second disc. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what I mean, it's it's a terrific um, story in itself and very very watchable and enjoyable. But the bits you get in it, you get to see every one of the films we've been talking about in HD. I know, yeah. How tantalizing is it? I know you're sitting there going, oh, show me a bit more. <laughs> I know, but Brilliant. what what a good little roster of extras too on that desk. You've got the, the shorts, you've got Bernie, which is absolutely oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Love that. Yeah. Love that. It's a great one, that. And the old 80s style arcade games. Come on. <laughs> I hate games on discs. They never bleed and work for me normally. I just don't get into them, but I love those. They were absolutely superb. Their versions of like Asteroids and Pac Man um, um, and Donkey Kong. Fabulous stuff. Hats off. Okay, guys, well, um, I think we we need to wrap up on the animation side. So, um, if we were to say which ones we thought were best for two thousand eight, I'm going to vote for Wally. Chris, uh, I'm going to go for Wally. Yeah, Simon. Well, I'm going to go for Kung Fu Panda. There we go. <laughs> so uh, that's our uh, recommendations for uh, the animation, the big animation films for two thousand and eight. So let's move on to comedy and Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can laugh now. I was crying at the time. It what was it was dire, wasn't it? Harrison Ford still proves he is Indiana Jones, and he's got a couple more movies in him, without a doubt. But for God's sake, give him a script. Give him some set pieces that he can get involved in. 
And don't use fridges to escape from, you know, nuclear blasts. Come on, what's all that about? Have some villains that are actually villains. Um, uh, again, it's, it's good to see Indy back, and Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, and he can still pull it off. But did they really have to do Aliens? I'm not, I'm not sold on that, like, any way, shape, or form. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Uh, Indy was also always pseudo-religious, uh, heavily basing its ideas on religious history. Um, I don't really know whether the aliens work for me at all. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't click in Indy, seeing, uh, and the flying saucers or funny shaped alien heads, and it doesn't work. The two, it's two different genres. I think there's, there's some influence going on there I'm not too sure about. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, that was another good movie. I don't have a problem with the uh, the trans-dimensional beings. I don't really have a problem with the fact that they're from the space between space. You know, oh, let's just call them aliens for God's sake. But you had no ending to that film. There was just, it didn't go anywhere. Indy just arrives, replaces um, a crystal. Sc- <laughs> I've got to give the ending away. <laughs> what does it matter? Who cares? <laughs> He's going to replace a crystal skull. And hey, presto, that's the end of the story. Uh, where's the confrontation? Where's the jeopardy? Where's the threat? Oh, there isn't any. It was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And, 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 you know, a great big action set piece. The bit in the jungle. And I'm not even going to go into, like, you know, Sheila Booth swinging through the trees, swinging from the vines like Tarzan with all the monkeys. You have a great big chase there, machine gunning, you have sword fights, atop speeding vehicles. But why was it so damn boring? You know, I actually felt my eyes closing. I can sit through anything, anything. And that was Indiana Jones. I'm getting a bit passionate now. That was Indiana Jones. You know, Last Crusade, I, I didn't like at the time when it first came out. But compared to this one, that is a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. It's got everything in the right place. It's got the traps, it's got the, the jeopardy, it's got the action, it's got a bit of plot, it's got bad guys, it's got comedy, it's got the lot. This, well, a few lacklustre action set pieces, some rather inept and unnecessary comedy, and uh, a completely... <laughs> it's half a script. It's just half a script, and that was one of the most anticipated movies of the year. Well, not just the year, but <laughs> of all time. It's Indiana Jones, his next great adventure. And they just shortchanged us. They shafted us, basically. And if you watch watch the extras, it could have been oh so so much worse than it actually was. Um, <laughs> when when you actually see some of the ideas that they they came up with originally, you just got to think what planet is George Lucas on these days? It's a travesty, isn't it? Where where, where is his thinking? I Clone Wars. I quite like where Clone Wars is going, but that's a whole other topic. But beyond that. You know, his other major franchise, he has lost the plot. Spielberg was, was always the one, you know, he, he rules that he rules that ship, or at least he did do. But Lucas, you know, how couldn't Spielberg couldn't argue with him and get that changed? Even though the, the famous Frank Darabont script, you know, having read that, it was infinitely better. But there were still problems there as well. There were still a lot of problems with that. And again, that was Lucas's influence again. So he just had to get aliens in there, didn't he? Yeah, um, the, I think we're all agreed on the on the story itself. But uh, if we we look at the Blu-ray, um, it was 
was it was it the first? Oh, it's certainly one of the first um, THX Blu-ray films um, to put their certificate on as uh, for for picture and sound. And gotta say, pretty damn good. Yeah, it's a good it's a good looking disc. Um, it's got a fair bit of stuff on it as well, hasn't it? But you know, you can't polish the proverbial, can you? And, you can't. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't win me over. And and the thing is that my my little lad, you know, and he, I'm sure he's not alone, you know. They fell for all the marketing. He went out and bought the Indiana. Well, he didn't. I bought it for him. The Indiana Jones whip and all the games and the figures. And he got all this sort of stuff in the uh, the merchandising hype bandwagon before the film came out. And then he saw the film and he was just mortified by it. And it was like, Dad, where's the action? Dad, this isn't as good as the original ones, is it? You know, this is a seven-year-old. It should it should work for him. But So then, of course, we got the Blu-ray and... You know, it's only been on once, and we did even sit through the entire film. But hey, you know, I'm sure it's got some fans out there. Okay, so uh, let's leave the misery that was Indiana Jones behind us. Um, it's broken quite a few hearts around here. Okay, so we'll move on. So let's go back to comic book genre, guys, and uh, Hellboy 2. Um, it didn't get as much hype um out there this year as it, as it did in its uh, initial release, but did the film live up to your expectations? Absolutely. It's a real shame that it didn't get um, the hype that it needed because it's a great film. Um, it's set apart from the from the comic books a little bit, but the, the spirit is there, and it's just great, great fun. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, pure spectacle, and everything you see is on the screen. It was. It had a. It, Troubled production in that the the it was done by Sony and they and they dropped it like a hot brick for for whatever reason it was taken up by another production company and they slashed the budget um, by two thirds I think they had a third of the money they were going to have and to what they done with that money is all on the screen it looks brilliant I and mean, it looks and it's great it's an absolute brilliant Matt Matt Goss I mean my God who would have thought he could act you know just phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal I oh, really I really enjoyed it. Del Toro knew that he could act because he used him in Blade 2 and he was really good in that as well. But yeah, you, you, you're dead right. Um, and the thing the thing about his villain, he's not even a villain. You actually no. sympathise with him. And that takes some doing as well when you're going to have, you know, this guy going up against, you know, Big Red, uh, one of the, Ron Pellman, you know, who's made the character of Hellboy totally and uniquely his own. Mike Manola's um, printed version um, is phenomenal. I've always been a fan of Hellboy, the comic books. Um, but arguably, I actually think the films are a bit, a little bit better, mainly because of the humour and the, uh, the chemistry between the leads. Uh, I, lo- I love Selma Blair. I think she's. I love, I love goth chicks, and it does it for me every time. Abe Sapien. Now he gets to use um, what's his name, Doug, Doug something or other, the guy who does, does all the mime stuff. He gets actually gets to use his voice now, um, and it's the comedy. It's it's the lo- you know the love story as well. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You've got a guy with a big stone fist. He's, what, seven and a half feet tall. He's got horns. He's got horns, and he's got the horn as well. <laughs> and you have a fish man who's now falling in love with an, an elf princess. It's, it's just... And the, the, the two of them will sit and mope and play sad songs together and get drunk together. It's wacky. It's silly. It's irreverent. It's also, you know, totally, you know, hysterical. Um, what's his name? Well, the guy? Seth MacFarlane, is it? Seth MacFarlane, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Playing um Oh god I forgot his name as well. <laughs> the guy in the the guy in the boiler suit, Mr. Vapor. <laughs> What's his name? 
Johan Kraus. Johan Kraus. Johan Kraus. Fabulous stuff. You've got a bit of Tex Avery stuff there as well. The bit with the um, the locker doors when like Hellboy's getting slapped around by these doors because oh, he's unleashed, brilliant. Yeah. He's unleashed uh, Johan into his vaporous form. And it's it's just stunning stuff. As you say, the the budget is up there on screen. These films look lush. Um, Del Toro is is a again I, I keep saying this about people. He's a he's a very visionary director. Um, he's got his themes, he's got his narrative, but he likes to decorate the imagery. He likes to decorate each particular scene with more and more detail. The troll market was dest was always destined to be one of the um, the key Absolutely. sequences. Um, action wise. It's, it's tremendous as well. Things have been upped slightly action-wise, but the film itself, I don't think, is a, a huge leap in normal sequel terms from the first film. Uh, the first film had action aplenty. Um, it had, again, a luscious visual feel to it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the first movie, by the way. I think it's a great, great film. Very underestimated by people and un- underrate, under, underrated. Yeah. And, uh, but it got a, a huge following once it came out on disc. Okay, so Hellboy scores very well with us, and I'm trying to move this on a little bit quickly here because uh, there's just so many good films that eventually did come out in 2008. It was looking like a, a rather naff year. If we stick with the comic books, we've also got two other big films uh, which which really did do very well at the box office. Obviously, we got The Hulk and uh, Iron Man. So, um, Oh, yes. Two, two films there which, which certainly, you know, set the, set the box office alight. Um, let's start with The Hulk. I've seen this recently. I didn't go to the cinema to see it. And to be honest, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, it was certainly a damn sight better than Ang Lee's 2003 version. <laughs> well, I'll get in before Chris, because I agree with you, Phil. Um it's very rare that Chris and I disagree on films, but uh, I know he doesn't particularly get on well with us. But I really enjoyed this one because it was—it sort of almost went back to the comic book roots. You know, it's it's set apart. You can't compare the Ang Lee version; they're completely separate. It's like two different beginnings for the same character, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought for for pure popcorn entertainment. Um, with a with the the big green boy smashing his way through everything, he actually gets to use the words Hulk smash. You know, oh, it's great fun, absolutely great fun. Okay, Chris, mm. you're chance to rip it to pieces well i'm not going to rip it to pieces because um you know a lot of people do obviously enjoy this i like dang lee's version because it was it did something different with a very well-known character uh, it was a brave undertaking and it's plenty of action it was very enjoyable i loved it and um, this one i was way looking forward to it um, and i thought edward norton good actor yeah you know Liv tyler not a great actor but actress but um you know looks good looks great on screen Tim Roth, superb, this could be great, and they're fighting the abomination. You're going to have loads and loads of effects, and it's going to be fantastic. So I thought. Um, and what ruined it for me, basically, was Edward Norton. I just thought he was completely awful um, in the role. It, it, it didn't work for me at all, even right, right down to the early sequences in that you know canning factory thing. And he gets called up, and he's trying to learn the language and all this. It just smacked purely of... He was so horribly self-aware and it took me out of the movie completely and utterly. Um, the, effects, the effects are great. Uh, I, I, can't, I cannot and will not deny that. But I think another major disappointment is the fact that uh, Leterrier, or whatever his name is, the director, uh, was very, very boastful about the epic quality of the final duel between Big Green and The Abomination. 
Well, you know, tw- saying you've got tw- twenty at least twenty minutes of fight footage going into the film, and then you're left with what? Was it even five minutes? Mm, it's a major, major disappointment, and the fight lasts, you know, but it takes place on one street and then smashing through one particular building. I was disappointed. Tim Roth was a <laughs> shockingly deformed even before he became the abomination. What, what is what is with his you know, the way he walks in that in that army his, his dress uniform? He looks like he's transforming even there. The guy, the guy has got some serious physical you know problems. Please don't sue me for saying that, but it just that's the way it looked at the time. Um, and woeful attempts at humour. The bit in the taxi. Come on, what's that about? You know, when Liv Tyler explodes on the ridiculous um, taxi driver who's just gone hell for leather through the traffic, it just doesn't work. I was disappointed immensely by that. And, and so were several of the people I saw it with at the time. But I do know that we are perhaps in a minority. Uh, so, <laughs> disappointment though. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, Chris. Um, but for me, it was popcorn fodder of... Uh, of- Certainly wouldn't uh, score it very highly, uh, maybe a six or a seven. But for me, in yeah. the past two hours, and it ah. was enjoyable. Caper and I, I've uh, just thought of one other thing that I want to want to slate about it. Oh, be God. difficult to be difficult <laughs> to say it though without without showing you. Uh, during the, <laughs> the title sequence, where it shows like Liv Tyler's in the hospital and Banner comes to visit her, and General Ross is there. <laughs> it's it's a bit hard to describe. I'll do my best. It's like, it's done in almost silent movie operatic fashion where he walks in and General Ross stands there and although you can't hear his voice, he says, no, and he shows in the door with this really ridiculous silent movie, Charlie, Charlie Chaplin-esque finger-pointing thing, shows in the door, and poor Banner has to turn around and walk out, and it's just, I thought, oh, that is just ultra, ultra cheese. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of cheese, mate. It's fine. <laughs> well, you're getting old. Shut up. It was fine. That was the start of it. And, and I know, to be honest, I, I am, it's a bit unusual for me to, to slate a film, a comic book movie like that, as, mo- as you know, venomously as I did do. But, you know, disappointment is, that's what it does to me. <laughs> I guess the big, big thing to take away from this is that, that Marvel are now a force to be reckoned with um, Absolutely. when it for comes sure. to making their own movies. And. Um, we won't give away the little twist, but let's move on to the next big movie for them, which was Iron Man. Um, and I have got to say that is probably um, behind Batman is one of my favourite superhero movies of 2008. I don't know about you guys, but um, I just loved it to bits. That's a wonderful film. Why yeah. is it a wonderful film, Robert Downey Jr.? Yep. Purely. Yeah, uh, totally. Because the plot isn't brilliant. Uh, it's a nice introduction story. They, they do nail the character from the comic books, and that you know you've got to take your hat off to that. You know, there's so many uh, cock-ups when it comes to like you know adapting, you know, two uh, D characters to the big screen. Uh, the humour was there, the sort of eccentricity, the egocentric qualities of, of Tony Stark were all there to a T, absolute perfection. The action, well, you know, the film didn't have a lot of action to it. And nor did you miss it because you loved, you got by on the on the chemistry between the characters. You like the evolution, you like where it was going. Again, nice little twist at the end of it as well. I mean, it's lovely the way that Marvel is doing this. It's gearing up for the um, well, everyone knows for the Avengers movie, and which is going to be you know a real force to reckon with, isn't it? Um, but everything everything just seemed to gel, and of course you know a fabulous bad guy, absolutely bad, brilliant, 
And the reason why I'm, I'm saying fabulous, fabulous so often is because I can't think of his name. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. That's the one. <laughs> Isn't it funny how he, he was one of the 70s iconic um, anti-heroes. He always had lots and lots and lots of hair. Big, you know, big hair, long hair, floppy hair, hippie guy. And in this, you shave his head and give him a demonic beard. What a transformation. You know, this was better than, than Tim Roth becoming the abomination. It was just, it was fabulously frightening, I thought. And Gwyneth Paltrow, an actress I don't like, I don't race, and I don't fancy. But I thought she was great as Pepper Potts in this. So, okay, that covers uh, the big films of the year. Um, guys, I'm going to put you, before we move on to the Blu-ray desk, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, okay, cinema experience of the year, in terms of just the film, what was it that did it for you this year? Uh, Simon? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Iron Man. Iron Man, okay. Yeah. Chris? No contest, mate, the Dark Knight. And uh, I think I shall agree with you there. And uh, Kaz? Out of the three sequels I've mentioned, you're looking at Dark Knight as being... <laughs> amazing movie uh, the Bond movie I think I've, it's tough if you're going to give Casino 9 then you, uh, you'd be hard pushed not to at least give this an 8 but it still was disappointing because for me because it should have been up there it should have been a 9 as well and uh, Indy I don't think I can even give that an unbiased mark because I'd like to give it a good mark because it's Harrison Ford returning as Indiana Jones but Aliens uh, give me a break Okay, and uh, let's move on to the Blu-ray discs of the year, and obviously we can start talking about some back catalogue stuff that's also hit Blu-ray this year. I suppose at this point we've, we've got to go to Chris, as uh, the movie meister who buys absolutely everything that's out there. Um, doesn't matter what quality it is, it seems to have it in his collection. So, uh, Chris... Hey, I didn't buy the whole... <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the big Blu-ray discs for 2008 and, and what are your recommendations for people if they haven't seen them or haven't gone and gotten them yet, what should they be looking at? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, this year was like the, the year of fantastic box sets. Um, going way back to the start, we had the, uh, the Blade Runner briefcase, which had all the versions of the movie in it. Um, Fantastic um, AV quality, absolutely jaw-dropping AV quality. And you also have the final cut of the movie. If you were lucky enough to buy that uh, briefcase version, you had the cool, ultra-cool little um, glass block thing with like a, a 3D image inside it, which moved as you move the glass block. Marvellous stuff. A little a replica of the origami unicorn. And it was just a beautiful set. You know... Uh, stacked full of extras and as I say all the different versions so the, com the Blade Runner completest out there is in absolute nirvana with that one um, other box sets of course which were really great and very, very well heralded uh, the Dirty Harry box set that was tremendous good transfers well, yeah they were good I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back now because uh, they were certainly better than any version you've seen before uh, a good ish set of extras but a nice box set to have. Uh, moving on further into the year, in fact, towards the back end of the year, we had the Omen collection came out for uh, just in time for Halloween. Uh, well, these were good transfers as well. Uh, but you also had Omen 666 in there, which a lot of people would regard as the, uh, the booby prize. Um, but maybe that was just a freebie thrown in with the box set. The American version had that anyway. Uh, the packaging was a new low in, uh, in in box sets. It was absolutely appallingly bad. 
so well put together, in fact, that, uh, you know, most people who received their first copies of this probably had damaged discs. They were, they were stepped on. They were so such flimsy, ridiculous packaging. It was just god-awful. But the films were great. Um, so that was a good one. Uh, and then perhaps the PS de Resistance for me, though, only recently come out as well, was Planet of the Apes, the 40-year evolution box set. Oh, man. Well, you know, a lot of people say it's the Lord of Diminishing Returns. The first film's an absolute unparalleled classic. And then the, the sequels would drop off, you know, sort of, you know, as each one came out, the budget was cut, the plots seemed to lessen, the acting quality was less, the effects were less, the masks, good God, even from uh, the second, the first sequel, sorry, you could see that the masks in the background were quite clearly bought in a, in a kid's toy shop. But they're still great, great movies. Um, I covered this quite extensively on, on, on the site, and I think the films are still brilliant. Each film sort of remarks on the era in which it was made. So the social upheavals, the wars that are going on, the uh, political uh, climate at the times, they're all touched upon. Uh, they're all, it's all referenced, and they're great stories. They're good science fiction. And the box set itself, it's a large box set, and it comes with a 200-page, um, beautifully, lavishly illustrated tome, which covers all the movies and the whole phenomena as well. Great stuff. Uh, Extras-wise, it possibly... You, you had commentaries for all the movies. You had uh, various versions of... Uh, of uh, well, two versions of uh, Conquest of Planet of the Apes. For the first time ever, you had the full uncut, unrated version with extra splashy gore. And, of course, the original movie uh, has a great transfer and all the fantastic ex extras are basically bolted onto that one. Uh, and there's just so much stuff on it again. Outtakes, documentaries, uh, makeup tests, screen tests. It's its wonderful stuff. If you're an Apes fan, God, you, you simply have to have this. It's just come out in the UK as well, but I think the spec is slightly different. I think it's missing a few things. Not entirely sure about that, but if you can get hold of the American version, the region A version, it's a, it's a Fox box set, so it's a, it's region set. Um, but it's well worth it. Uh, other box sets, you have the Ultimate Matrix collection, making it onto Blu-ray. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of the Matrix movies. I love the first one, and I like a lot of the second one, and I truly detest the third one. Um, but there's no getting away from the fact that this is one hell of a box set. There's so much stuff on it uh, that I haven't even begun to watch the extras on it, in fact. <laughs> but, again, if you're a fan, it's got to be awesome. Other discs that were that made my year, Bond, Bond finally came out. The original... Bond films finally came out on Blu-ray in a rather bizarre running order. I don't know what they're playing at there. But, um, you know, without a doubt, out of the first batch of six, I would say that from Russia with Love, Doctor No, Thunderball and Fiore Eyes Only were um, the ones that floated my particular Bond boat. Uh, all had great transfers. In fact, the, the earlier ones really are jaw-dropping when it comes down to it. Doctor No from Russia with Love, in particular, really incredible visual transfers. Uh, nothing particularly new extras-wise. If you had the Ultimate Editions from you know a couple of years ago, then it, a lot of it will be very, very familiar to you. But it's nice to see them finally clawing their way on. Of course, uh, Casino Royale inevitably was double-dipped there, wasn't it? That got another Blu-ray release, uh, which I think a few other fans picked up as well. And it, it's certainly better. <laughs> There's certainly a bit more on it. But... Um, 
Other ones that were, that were great releases this year. How the West was won. Now, how cool was this? You know, one of the original, well, the first Cinerama release, and they actually duplicated its Smilebox vision uh, on on its other disc. Absolutely incredible stuff. A great, fantastic restoration. Uh, The seams in the screens, I'm afraid you can still see, but, I mean, you know, (laughs) it still looks absolutely incredible. And of the two versions, you know, you have the original widescreen version, and then you have the... uh, the Smilebox version. I must admit, I prefer watching the Smilebox. It, it's a ludicrous way to watch anything on a small screen, but it just looks so, so good and so unusual. Um, not a great film, though. Gotta say, it's not a great film. I'm a massive Western fan, but Halle West was one I don't think is up there with the classics. Uh, horror-wise, I'd have to go with The Orphanage. That was a tremendous uh, movie. I touched on it before. It was very, very powerfully done. Um, and a tremendous Blu-ray disc as well. Uh, 7.1 sound on it, and it will blow you away. Subtleties uh, abound. Aggression is there. The depth to the sound on it is just phenomenal. It really puts you in the heart of a very, very haunted orphanage. Uh, Things clicking around behind you and voices whispering, scampering footsteps. Oh, God, it's got everything. It's just beautiful. Beautiful film, beautiful disc. Well recommended. Okay, well, following on from Chris there, um, um, a lot of what he said um, I will agree with. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of all that that, uh, that he missed. Um, iRobot, of course, um, come out in March, a reference disc, um, if ever there was one. Um, still a reference disc, so, you know, and a very, very enjoyable film. Um, um, certainly one to, one to pick up and spin. Um, you've got Beowulf as well. Um, we were talking about animation an awful lot earlier. Um, but Beowulf come out, um, 3D animation, uh, humans in the shape of humans, uh, naked Angelina Jolie, all that stuff, you know, great stuff, great stuff there. Um, Enchanted also came out. Um, what a great film. Um, another Disney-esque film, um, di- animated characters going into the real world as opposed to the other way around, which they've always done before. Um, they couldn't have chosen a better title because Enchanted is a truly enchanting film. And again, jaw-dropping on the uh, the Blu-ray, picture and sound, absolutely out of this world. Master and Commander on the far side of the world. Now, we've been talking about sound, you've been talking about some of the sounds of, of um, the orphanage, which is, of course, absolutely brilliant. But then you come to uh, Master and Commander, the sound on that one, ah. Oh, it's like being there. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, that's my, my pick of the discs. Okay, well, uh, let's pick which is the winner from both. I know it's very difficult, but if uh, if people could only buy one disc from 2008, which one oh. would you be telling them to buy? And we'll go to Chris first. Well, taking all things into consideration, um, it'd be The Dark Knight. The, the, fil- the film, I think, is too important to pass up. Okay, so. Simon. It's uh, that's very very tough. Um, I've just sort of a couple of other films. Of course, the, we, we spoke about them. Uh, the Hulk and Iron Man, of course, both spectacular discs, um, extra wise, picture wise, sound wise. Um, to pick one, I'm torn between The Dark Knight and and Kung Fu Panda. Completely separate films, of course. Um, very very different in in their approach. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with The Dark Knight because it's live action and it's and it's a quality film. Quality film. 
So okay. we'll go with that on that as well. Okay, and I'm I'm just going to be a little bit different because I think the the uh, Wally is just done it for me this year. Um, Dark Knight, yes, absolutely fantastic. It is a classic. It's going to stand up. Uh, Twenty years from now, people will still be talking about that film. But for me, um, I got more enjoyment out of Wally. I don't know. Maybe I'm on Wally. That's that's fair. There's no. Fair I mean, Wally was my my film of the year, but The Dark Knight came along and scooped the um, the title in the long run. Okay, well, thanks for that, guys. And uh, moving swiftly, we'll uh, tell you what's coming up on EV Forums movies reviews very soon. And uh, we'll also have a quick discussion about the credit crunch. <laughs> what? The highest definition. definition. This is the AV Podcast. So when I said we were going to talk about the credit crunch, I was kind of joking a little bit. Um, guys, it seems like Important Discs um, has just suddenly got very expensive. Very expensive indeed, yeah. All our... Regular ones, the, the suppliers we know and love, they all seem to bump their prices up, don't they? In cahoots with the credit crunch. So, you know, they got us by the short and curlies with the bills, utility bills, with everything you buy in the shops, um, your wages, everything is, you know, crippling you now. And now our one little escape valve, our movies, even they're going up as well. Damn them all! To hell. And I guess this, this could play... Um, quite badly for for a new format like Blu-ray, which uh, is trying to penetrate the the main market. If 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 discs are twenty to twenty five pounds a piece, and DVDs are now what ten pounds, eleven pounds, um, it's going to take some convincing for people to to swap over onto the Blu-ray format, isn't it? Well, the thing is, um, UK Blu-rays were always ridiculously expensive anyway, weren't they? I mean, you could walk into HMV or Zavi or whatever, and you'd see a disc for 30 quid. 30 quid? You'd be like, what? But some people, the UK province people were going in there, and they were buying discs at that price, foolish as they were. So, I mean, all, all it seems, it swings around about us. Don't forget, like, this isn't going to last. The prices will come down again. I'm, whoa, I'm being very optimistic there, aren't I? But... They they will come down again, and I don't think people who've adopted this format, who know and love it, uh, they may be a little bit, little bit more choosy now when releases come out because they certainly can't afford to buy as many as they once did. But uh, it won't put them off. They're still going. I know for a fact I'm still going to buy the films that I, I love and I want to have on Blu-ray. I'll just have to bite the bullet and it'll hurt a little bit more, but it's going to happen anyway. It's a shame though that it's, it's come to this, um, and you know. We're not going to mention any particular suppliers, but uh, there's been some quite shocking hikes in prices, hasn't there? Uh, literally, a release can come out on one day, and within a week, you know, it's come out at one price, and then within a week, it's shot right up again. That was a real wake-up call, wasn't it? And uh, Simon, I guess the the thing here is that um, uh, these companies which specialise in importing discs... Um, that they're going to have to convince people a bit more to buy them, so it, it could actually affect their sales as well. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, the, the the biggest problem the overseas suppliers are having is, of course, it's uh, they're suffering from the credit crunch as we are. But we, it, it's our, our our money is so weak, the pound is so weak at the moment that that also affects our ordering ability. So. So something we're going to have to live with. I mean, the the the, the format is worth the money. 
um, I think, in the long run. And as Chris said, these, the prices will come down. Um, we've just got to stick it out and keep buying the movies that we love. And uh, one comment I picked up on, on the forums was that um, when it was uh, $2 to £1, um, it was still 18 quid for a Blu-ray. Yeah, well, why were they that price then as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's the import game now, isn't it? Uh, we're at the mercy of importers. They get the stock in, they can afford, they can do whatever they want with it, basically. We we still need them. So we're kind of slaves to whatever prices they want to put on it. Uh, the only way you can change that in the long run is by not buying them, and then in which case they're going to have to bring the prices down or they go out of business. So in the end, you know, at, at, the mo- at the moment, we don't have that power. The uh, consumer has no power at the moment because we're all suffering. Um, there's no way you can vote with your cash because you haven't got any to vote with. So, you know, it, as I say, it swings around about though, so you've just got to stick with it. Uh, just be a bit more choosy when it comes to your movies. We're all, we're all being uh, crippled at the moment and you've just got to learn to accept it while it lasts and just be a bit more choosy. I, you know, I, I won't practice what I'm preaching, by the way. You know, I'm going <laughs> to see stuff tomorrow and I'm going to order it right away. Damn it, I don't care. I've got no money. It's Christmas. I deserve a treat. <laughs> like I do every damn day of the year. So, you know, as much as you know, this is a serious, serious debate, <laughs> uh, it won't affect me until I actually have no money left at all. And I, I will warn you now, I'm, I'm speeding, headly, I'm he- heading towards that at a ferocious rate. But, you know, I carry on regardless. Don't practice what I preach, folks, by the way. Don't do this at home. And, of course, <laughs> it's not just the films either. Uh, obviously, a lot of the Japanese hardware manufacturers now talking about 30% increases uh, in the new year on oh equipment God. as well. So... Um, it could be uh, bad news. So on that note, um, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's, but it's, chin up. I think, yeah, chin up. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is one of those things. It's, it seems to be the, the worst time of the year for this to happen. And, of course, we're, we're being a little bit um, humorous in what we're saying here. Um, but, of course, the, there are the facts that, that this is affecting people in, in lots of different ways. So... Yes, we're movie fans. Yes, the discs cost a little bit more. And yes, our Blu-ray players will cost us uh, 30% more next year. But um, as long as we're all still in jobs and uh, still getting an income, I suppose that's... that's a, oh, I'm just not winning with this argument, am I? <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll wrap up on this and uh, we'll come back very shortly with what's coming up. The AV Forums Podcast. Okay, so uh, to wrap up on uh, this month's uh, rather long podcast, uh, but we hope you've enjoyed it, uh, we're just going to quickly tell you what is coming up on the AV Forums Movies Reviews website. And uh, Chris, what do you have coming up in the next month? Uh, I've got a few things coming up. I've got Mirror Mask uh, on Blu-ray. Well, these are all going to be Blu-rays, by the way. Uh, I have the ultimate edition of I Am Legend, <laughs> a film I've covered so exhaustively you think, what else could you say about it? But this is the big box set with lots and lots of extra features and new stuff which hasn't seen the light of day um, and the two versions of the movie on two separate discs. So I'm looking forward to that quite immensely. Um, what else do I have? The third man on Blu-ray, which is Criterion's um, first entry into the Blu-ray realm. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Having got the original um, 
high definition transfer. They always tout it as being high definition transfers that Criterion put out. So let's see what a real high def transfer actually looks like. So looking forward to that quite immensely. And Simon, uh, tell us what the other reviewers on the website are coming up with in the next month. Okay, um, Andrew Mugford, he'll be looking at the uh, Prince Caspian, the Chronicles of Honor Prince Caspian um, new release. He's also looking at the Shawshank Redemption. What a great film that one will turn out to be. Um, and uh, maybe a short straw, maybe not. Mamma Mia. So he'll be looking at that one. Um, Keith, um, Keith Hurst, he's looking at the uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. The, uh, that's the 1950s version um, coming out. Very, very excited about that. I know Chris is as well, so uh, we'll look forward to seeing that one. Kaz, he's, um, he's got a few. He's got Death Race, the remake there. He's looking at The X-Files as well. He's also looking at Resident Evil, Degeneration. He's also looking at Death Proof. And his final one is The Heartbreak Kid. Uh, Imran, Imran Butt, he's looking um, at Burn After Reading. He's also looking at The Femme Nikita and The Story of Joan of Arc. Brian Day, he's um, looking at the uh, newest release of Casablanca, the uh, the two-disc Ultimate Edition or Collector's Edition. Um, very, very lavish set there. Um, he's, he's looking at that at the moment. And uh, our newest reviewer, Mark Botwright, he's looking at uh, Futurama, the Bender's Game. He's looking at Step Brothers and uh, a film that we mentioned very, very briefly, oh, so long ago, the, uh, the third uh, Mummy film, the Dragon Mummy film from Universal. Um, says his mum likes it, so okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, um, and I'm and I'm. I just say what I'm looking at. Um, I've got uh, the Criterion version of Chunking Express, which I've I have already spun. And I can tell you is uh, very very good. So um, once uh, the third man comes through, Chris, um, I think you'll enjoy it immensely because they've done some spectacular work with the transfer yeah. here. Yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah, I hope they get around to releasing um, Robinson Crusoe on Mars on Blu-ray. That would be, be incredible, because the transfer for that one on SD was just jaw-dropping. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, um, this, this is a particularly good transfer, and uh, what a great film as well. So look for them uh, in the next few weeks. Okay, well, thanks very much, Simon, and uh, that almost wraps up our uh, movies podcast for this month. But before we go, it is Christmas, and we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and the guys have their own messages for you right now. Right, folks, I just want to say thanks to all the feedbackers out there who make the film discussion very lively and interesting and informative, um, and it's a, an interactive process. Please keep with it, keep reading the reviews, and keep watching movies and having fun, because that's what they're all about at the end of the day. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas. Um, ignore the credit crunch. There's no such thing. Spend, spend, spend. That's what it's all about. Get lots and lots of movies. All the ones I recommend and a few that I don't as well. Um, Have fun. Have a happy and safe new year as well. All the best now. Well, thanks very much for listening. Um, It's been a a terrific year. Uh, We've done a lot of reviews this year. and We're looking forward to do a lot more next year. I'd like to thank you all for reading and making the site what it is by your feedback and just generally being with us and helping us the site progress further and further into 2009 i'd like to wish you all a very merry christmas and a happy and prosperous new year um as chris has already said ignore the credit crunch spend 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 it's the only way we get the the economy working again thanks very much 
Hi, this is Cas Harlow, and I'm wishing everybody a happy Christmas and a Merry New Year. Merry New Year? That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try that again. Christ's sake, you only got one line, man. <laughs> it's a complicated line, though, blatantly. It's, it's also really weird talking to my phone. Yeah, because you never do that, do you? <laughs> No, you just, like, talk to it with it up against your ear, but you don't talk to it by just sitting and looking at it. Oh, no. Not whilst no. I'm in the bath, no? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Kaz Harlow, and I'm wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Is that it? <laughs> and be safe in the bath. <laughs> 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 you want some advice on this? Yeah. <laughs> and remember, folks, don't take right. your toaster into the bath with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Kat Harlow. I'm wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope you'll like the reviews from this year and come back for plenty more next year. This is Stuart Wright. A message from me. I just want to say a very quick thanks to forum members and visitors for uh, making the site what it is. Very special thanks to all the moderators who work so diligently to keep the forums running smoothly. And thanks also to the editorial team, the reviewers who do such a fantastic job giving us the the information and the rundown on the hardware and the movies that we love so much. Um, Have a very Merry Christmas, everybody, and a Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2009. And this is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening to all our podcasts over the last year. We will be back in January with some uh, very special videos and also uh, our movies podcast and home cinema podcast. So I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and a good New Year. And myself and Chris will see you from January the 8th from CES in Vegas. Chris, you looking forward to that? Woohoo! Yeah. Showgirls. Oh, no, no, sorry. CES. Yes, that's right. Very important convention. Full of techno stuff. No ladies <laughs> involved at all. No, no, no. So we will be bringing you reports from the show floor from CES from January the 8th. Make sure you tune in to avforums.tv. And we'll be back next month with our movies podcast. So all I've got to say is thank you to Chris and Simon and Kaz for this month's podcast. And we'll see you again in the new year. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton. And the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.